Hello and welcome to Juggling Podcast number 18. My name is Luke and beside me is... Paula. And uh, once again, after the British Juggling Convention, we're back in Berlin um, uh, in, in our apartment and we're sitting actually on our bed watching television. And uh, I think Paula's just going to mention what we're watching. Yeah, it's, it's a program about... Um, I don't actually know what it's about, but it says that every fourth guy goes to the bordel. And I'm just run, wondering, because I know quite a few guys, let's let's say maybe a hundred, and does it mean that 25 of them just go and buy themselves a woman? Maybe. Meanwhile... So you know more about it than I. I, I don't know anything about it. I must admit I'm not one of those uh, 25% of guys. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, things are back to normal. We're watching television uh, while recording the podcast. So um, after that uh, sh- strange start, uh, I just want to introduce, uh, well not introduce, but welcome lots of new listeners because after the British Juggling Convention, I think lots of people must have seen me walking around with a microphone and me and Paula chatting to people and getting interviews and the word has spread and... Um, this past week, we've got not quite twice as many downloads of the past this last podcast as all the previous but ones. Nearly, nearly, it's gone up. Um, it's gone up by well, about an extra maybe three hundred people. Um, this uh, this has downloaded the uh, the British Juggling Convention special. Hope lots of people enjoyed it. Actually, I know quite a lot of people enjoyed it because we've got loads of feedback from people, loads of email, uh, lots of good comments and loads of people at the British Juggling Convention coming up to us and saying, hey, really enjoy the podcast and lots of interesting people as well listening to the podcast. I quite like um, the sentences like, um, what did they say? Oh, it's good to hear something about the BJC because I couldn't be at every place so yeah. like i didn't miss anything now after listening the the podcast yeah there's some great comments like that and also people saying it was the best podcast that we've done yet and i wasn't quite sure because i thought it was a bit long um but lots of people have said hey i don't mind a podcast um uh, an hour long because they listened to a bit on the way to work a bit on the way back and um so actually this podcast is going to be um, not just 30 minutes, it's going to be a bit longer and it's going to be packed full of really good stuff. Um, we've got, at the end of the podcast, we'll be doing the, um, or I'll be uh, playing out the the interview. That not in the middle like normally? No, no, it's going to go at the end because I've got something else in the middle. Uh, the, the interview with Thomas Dietz, that uh, that me and Paula, we caught up with Thomas Dietz at the British Juggling Convention, so that's going to be great. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, uh, also earlier today I recorded with my brother, Nathan, who was the big star of, of uh, last week's podcast as well um a bit about uh, a new uh, a new format of juggling competition um for that that he's thought up and has, has, has worked out lots of different stuff and uh, lots of different rules well not rules but just like the, the ideas behind it so that's we talked i talked to him for about 20 minutes about that so i'm going to play that out um but first of all i'm going to talk about not the british juggling convention as such but the but our new flat no, not the new flat. Oh, Aww. do you want us to mention the new flat? Well, actually, let no, me just say, I first just of all... I want to excuse for my bad English, but I'm just so tired. I can't... I really have to think for the words that I want to say, because it's hard work. <laughs> it is. It's past 11 o'clock at night. Anyway, what are we going to start the podcast off with, uh, juggling-wise, not flat-wise, and um, watching naked women on TV-wise? What? Why are we watching this? I don't know. Uh, anyway, about the WJF, the World's Juggling Federation, and the uh, the oh, Polar don't and the uh, and the competitions that were held at the British Juggling Convention. Um, 
so uh so yeah let me get straight to that first of all um why am i why am i doing this review now well i i haven't spoken much Polar, how could you do that? I don't want to say what Polar's done, but I can hardly breathe at the moment, and Polar is choking beside me. Sorry about... Man, this podcast isn't getting off to a good start at all. Right, so, the WJF. I've not talked about the WJF much uh, on the podcast for the past, what, 18 podcasts at all. Um, It's been mentioned once or twice, but I've not really featured it as as a subject to the podcast, even though I could have done, because me and Marco Paoletti, we talk about juggling competitions and WJF and all that kind of stuff all the time. And I was thinking, yeah, I'll get him to come on and we'll talk about it. But I'd never been to a WJF competition up until, well, two weeks ago, wasn't it, that uh, I went along there. And did you enjoy it? Well, that's the thing. Uh, The actual me being on stage, uh, not on stage, me being there and actually running through the routine, that was quite interesting. But the the full experience of actually going through and competing at the WJF well it's um, not I didn't have a fantastic time Um, and I'll go through the reasons now first of all why did I enter? Mainly because I had then I could actually talk about the WJF from a position of authority that I'd actually have some opinions that I could back up with experience, not just rumours. Uh, most of the things that I've heard about the WJF convention have been quite good, actually. Um, a lot of people go there, a lot of people really enjoy the convention itself and meeting lots of people, seeing lots of people in the gym. But the uh, the whole like competitions, that's never really the bit which they're, that, that I've heard a lot of interest in. So anyway, I thought I'd enter and make up my own mind. In the past, I've not been a real fan of the WJF and the actual results of the... What? You've got paint on your chin. I've got paint on my chin. Thanks. I thought you were actually going give, to give a comment about juggling or something there. <laughs> so about the WJF, let's get back there now. Um... So I've I've never been a, a big um, sort of big fan. I've never been vocally saying, "Hey, it's fantastic." I've always been said, "I like the idea of the WJF, and I really like sports juggling." Um, but the execution, not really sure. So I entered into the WJF hoping that my mind would be changed, that I'd come away a big fan and say, yeah, it was really, really good fun to enter, really, really good fun to take part, and uh, and that kind of thing. But not quite. That's not really happened. That's the main reason why I entered, because I was hoping for a good time and also to make up my mind a first-hand about the WJF. I knew I wasn't going to win. Actually, I knew I'd be completely out of my depth in the advanced competitions, but there were no intermediate competitions, so I had to enter the advanced competitions. Um, what? Okay, I just wanted to, to, to say my opinion, because what? I went along to see it. Okay, from, from the outside opinion. Go yeah. for it, Paula. And for me, I can say I don't enjoy sports juggling, because juggling for me is entertaining, or entertainment, or should be, and it wasn't entertaining for me. Are you saying that about all sports juggling, or particularly the WJF event at the BJC? I don't know all sports juggling, but the WJF was just not interesting. It was fun to maybe watch like one thing, and then you know that you don't want to go on and watch more. Okay, so Why are you laughing? No, no, I, I completely agree. It was overall quite tedious to watch, actually. Let me just say that, not taking part or anything. But when you actually watch it, it's just really boring because nobody was standing up and nobody was getting up and actually saying, hey, next up is this person on stage and these are the rules or anything like that. It was just like... Rah, 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 rah. And yeah. it wasn't exciting. Normally it was not exciting. competitions are exciting because you think, yeah. oh, who will win? Or, oh, what will the next person do? But it just wasn't. 
I know, not so great, was it? So let me tell you my story about me entering. First of all, uh, months before, about two months before, so I, I, uh, I sent, I went actually onto the WJF forums on the internet and said, I'd like to enter, and um, got a, a message back from Jason saying, okay, no problem. So I, that's what I thought, uh, and everywhere else I've ever seen it, when people say, how do I enter? People just say, turn up, sign up. And that's it. So um, that's pretty much what I did. Of course, all the weeks and the months and weeks before the the BJC and the WJF competition, very, very busy, like going to Israel and putting together new shows and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't have a lot of time to work on my ring juggling routine. Um, So I turned up there on the uh, Wednesday morning and all of the uh, invited competitors, um, there's like five of them, I guess. There was Jason, Garfield and Wes Peden and... Vova Galchenko, Toby Walker, and who else? Oh, Thomas Dietz, of course. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the like the main competitors in the main event, you know, with the balls, clubs, rings kind of guys. And uh, they were all warming up, and I warmed up a bit, and then they went through the prelims. It's a bit strange them going through the prelims, because they already know they're in the competition, which seems a bit weird. I know everyone's loads of people there, and it's all, you know, joking and things like that. So I said to, so I said to Jason, hey, I'm here. I'd like to enter the, um, the rings, maybe the balls. And the first thing he said to me is, do you have the sheet? with all your routine written out and I said no because I didn't actually know I needed to to do that I thought I had to you know just write down the the routine that I was going to do but apparently you need to have a sheet downloaded off the internet that I didn't know so he said to me you need to get on the internet print off the download it print off the form fill it in and give it to me and I said by when and he said by 12 o'clock which is a bit strange because this is like 10 o'clock in the morning um so, I didn't know all of that. Yeah, it's really, really weird. And I said, well, I can't do that. How about if I just, you know, if you got a copy of this sheet? He says, no. So, the, you know, he's not expecting anyone to enter, of course, or anybody to turn up at the last minute, um, which was a bit strange. But in the end, I did write down my list of piece of tricks on a piece of paper. And he says, have you got the release form for your music? And... Uh, Yes, I know it's a very sweet dog on TV, but <laughs> a release form for the music, and uh, really and of course, sure. and I, and I'd never been told that, but again, something I had to download within an hour and a half and get into him. Anyway, I didn't manage to do that, but I did in the end, like get a blank piece of paper and write up, um, you know, the list of my routine um, for myself and and give that in, and I guess that was um, good enough. Which uh, I know I'm, it's probably my fault for not getting online and doing all of that thing. But this is an open competition. I really did think that you could turn up on the day, give in your routine or do your routine in the prelims, and that's uh, and that would be good enough. Um, but it wasn't. So I also said to Jason, "Can I take part in the three club 360s competition, the pirouettes competition, Polar?" And uh, he said to me, "How many pirouettes can you do in a minute?" And I said, I'm not sure, because to be honest, I've never actually tried to see how many pirouettes, three club, three up pirouettes I could do in a minute. But I can understand that question. Yes, I understand. Okay. And I said, I don't, I just and I said, I don't know, but I'll do my best if I'll go, th- I'll try it out in a preliminary round. He says, can you do 40 pirouettes in a minute? And and I was like, 40 pirouettes in a minute? I didn't, I thought that was way too much. That's apparently the winning total last year's WJF. Vova Kalchenko managed to do 40 um, pirouettes in one minute. Um, so that's the kind of attitude it was. It's like, unless you can do 40 in a minute, you can't enter, which is a bit strange. So then I, I went outside, I practiced, came back in, I said, I reckon I could do, you know, 30 or, you know, 30 at the, the outside. Um, but that was that was a very strange situation. Uh, anyway, it got past 12 o'clock. All the guys had um, 
done their prelims. So then I, it was time for the, the Open competitors' prelims. Now, this is the WJF Open, the first international open competition, the first competition in the whole of Europe. How many people, Paula, did you think entered in the WJF Open? You mean just... Non-invited people. People who weren't invited to the event already, the, the, I like know the that open. Answer, Luke. It I know. It's just you. It was just me. So there you go. This is the biggest sports juggling event. It comes to the UK. It comes to Europe for the first time, and one person enters, and it's me, of course, me. Um, in the end, Marco Paoletti did enter the ball competition with his uh, his routine from the last WJF and did quite well. Um, but that was it. And of course, by this time, everyone else had gone. So the the uh, uh, the prelims for all the invited people were like a really really laid back affair. Lots of people joking, lots of people hanging out. And then for the open competitors, it was pretty much the most unpleasant kind of venue or audience to do it because there was me in the on the stage i say it's a stage in the sort of arena place and then there was jason garfield and ben jennings sort of squatting there not looking at me as i did it and just went go and i ran through the routines in you know when i practiced on stage just warming up it went really well but actually the run through of the routines that i did in the prelims was actually quite bad i did i dropped quite a bit um ran out of time in the ring section um so it wasn't great for me but just sort of like the the, the complete lack of interest from the judges and they sort of went through uh, and then i did the uh, the prelim preliminary round for the um for the, the three club 360s got 22 pirouettes in a minute i thought that was quite good yeah, and that was exactly what you said you want to get no this was in the prelim not in the actual competition itself oh. um but it was just really really unpleasant i mean the whole situation there if they're wanting people to enter it's meant to be a fun competition or if they're actually they don't want people well that's the thing how can i expect this is the thing it's it was just like from the outset really unpleasant and it didn't get any better time for the 360s competition the first event of the, the you know where the audience could come in and um there's four of us entering there was going to be me thomas um vova galchenko and west peden and um and when they drew up the list jason said you're on last it's like why am i on last and i actually asked him this why am i on last for this because i'm not going to win actually i'm going to do worst out of all the other competitors on the 360s competition he said some things are just random and that yeah, was it mainly him yeah it and it's like if it is random and the worst competitor gets put on last it's like it shouldn't be random this is one of the big issues with the first wjf when they'd put on you know um vova and olga in the club competition and then the other teams and of course they're not going to win it sort of declined in quality and there were i was following vova galchenko onto the into the competition to do the three club 360s competition and it's like it's really weird. Not only does it make for a bad competition, but it makes me feel really bad. It makes it like I'm just a joke entry. And uh, and in a way, I am a joke entry because I can't take it that seriously because, you know, the WJF isn't taking it that seriously, or so it seems. If that's the situation, it should have been me on first and I look okay. The next person who comes on is going to look really, really good following me because they do like an extra 10 pirouettes in a minute than me. Um, but that's not the way it went. So, of course, Vova Galchenko gets like 36 pirouettes I f or 34. I follow him on and get 22. And I'm the last one on in that competition. And after that, I just had to leave because it was just, you know, we tried watching a bit more, didn't we? But we couldn't because there was nothing really to see there just more pirouettes and the audience wasn't into it there was about like 20 people in the audience hardly anyone there at all and uh so no, we just no left. one was counting like 
I would expect to do like the 360s. Yeah, everyone counting along. Like, one, one, two. two that's three. exactly Nothing. the atmosphere I was expecting, but it wasn't. It was just you know um, after the after the competition, Ben Jennings would turn around and mumble, twenty-two or thirty-six, and it was just so so weak. Um, so the whole procedure for the for the solo uh, preliminaries and the and the I mean the the main event preliminaries and the three sixes and everything like that, it was just all. Uh, I don't know how to say it, just not great at all. Really, really strange. Um, so the order of jugglers as well, really strange. Anyway, let's get on to the um, a situation that happened a few nights later. Uh, I think it was after the British Young Juggler of the Year competition. The judges were sitting around the table. Um, actually, let me get this right. There was Erin, um, um, who was one of the judges from America, Scotty, um, also, Jason Garfield, Vova Galchenko was there, and they were going through the lists of the routines, all the tricks in the people's routines. And that was after you had a whole day of just organising. Yeah, yeah. And I you, just, had your, you had your dinner. Yeah, in I was in, eating my dinner. So they were sitting around, so they said, Luke, we need to go through your routines and sort out what tricks are what. Um, and I said, okay, just give me a few minutes and I'll be with you because I'm eating here. Um, so they called me over and they said, here's your ball routine what's this trick and i said the trick and they said what's that trick and they did this trick and what's this trick and i told them that what the trick was and they were marking it down and and give putting in instead of my descriptions that i'd written they were writing in their own descriptions so they knew what it was um first of all the worst thing about this situation or one really bad thing about this was vova galchenko was sitting there and he was pretty much just taking the piss out of me he was literally ridiculing me to my face about how crap the tricks were that I was doing, how worthless they were. And I know the tricks aren't going to get me a lot of points because I'm pretty much, I was pretty much doing some stage routines on stage and hoping, you know, just as a, as a routine for the WJF. So it wasn't the, uh, the, the most amazing tricks, but just to, just to have, I don't know, just to be ridiculed in that way was really, really bad. Jason Garfield sitting next to him, giggling as well and, and joining in. And it was really, really strange. But it wasn't just Vova. It was also Scotty and the other guys, you know, the actual judges themselves. Because I'd written this trick, and they said, what's this transition? And I told them what it was. So they wrote it down in their own words. And the words that they wrote down were shitty six-ball transition. They actually typed that down right in front of me where I could see it. Shitty six-ball transition. Um... And again, that's that's really really hurtful. I know that my juggling isn't of a you know a massively high standard, but to actually have your your you know the judges classing your trick and and categorising it into the shitty six ball transition category, not pleasant at all. And of course, I I didn't mention that at the time. I just I'm thought not it was very professional. <laughs> it's really unprofessional. And then there's this trick which is and that in front of like all the other jugglers. Yeah, this is like it's not in a private space. This is like in the it's main in the cafe in the main cafeteria area. Really, and really we weird. We were just sitting neck uh, like on the next table, so we could follow the the conversation. I know, and it was so bad. And then um, there was another trick, which was like this three ball. It's it's not it's a six ball trick, but you juggle the th six ball in a cascade with like two cascades. So it's a stacked cascade. It's a it's a not a that difficult thing. It's like juggling three balls but each ball is two balls and uh, i'd written a trick down which is you throw all six balls up do a pirouette catch them again and go back into the same pattern um which is pretty much the single most te technical juggling trick in the entire routine and i can do it and i'm quite proud of it because it's a hard trick um i actually could do it 
years ago um and then i saw it on ivan purcell's tricks you can't do video or tricks you can't do too so uh, um i knew it was quite technical um and uh, that was there but apparently because of a technicality that trick because it goes back into a multiplex pattern or something like that it gets no points and of course that was uh, that was uh, grounds for a really big giggle by everyone on the judging panel uh, at my expense and Vovigalchenko was like hey that's not juggling that's not a hard trick that's not a hard trick what kind of trick do you think that is and Jason laughing along now this is I think this is the worst thing is that how you know encouraged Vova was to continue taking the piss out of me to actually ridicule me as another competitor as the organiser of the British Young Juggler of the Year competition, if I saw any of the competitors, you know, if there are any ages from 12 up to 20, if any of them had started laughing at another competitor because of the standard of their juggling or the difficulty of the juggling tricks, that would be it. They would be out of the competition. I'd just I'd slap them. You know, I just wouldn't tolerate it at all. And and I can't believe that Jason was actually sitting there with Vova sitting next to him or across the table from him, taking the piss out of another competitor. I mean, he's the favourite for the ball competition, the club competition. Or, or the, you know, he's one of the favourites there. And I'm the least favourite of the competition. And I'm just having the piss taken out of me. So that, to be honest, was the most unpleasant situation for the entire um, convention for me. That was the low point of the entire convention. And it really showed the WJF in its true colour, you know, when it's not it's it's not happening on camera, you actually see it backstage. This is the way that I was being treated as a competitor of the WJF, and I think it's just completely unacceptable. Um, not only that was that when Vova asked a bit later, he was like, Okay, how um you know, who won the British Young Juggle of the Year? And I said, you know, Adrian Pohl won it. And Vova was like, he only won it because he was 12-year-old and he's cute. And Vova hadn't even seen the competition. I said, no, it wasn't that. You know, Adrian was really good. He has a fantastic stage, but better than Vova's ever would ever be, to be honest. And uh, and he did some really difficult tricks. I actually said that he, he did a really technical, technically demanding routine. And Vova was like, how technical? Like a six-ball stacked pirouette or something like that. So he wasn't just taking the piss out of me. He was actually taking the piss out of Adrian Pohl, the winner of the British Young Juggle of the Year show that he hadn't even seen. Again, Really, really bad. Jason Garfield sitting across the table, giggling along with him. Now there is there is one person who really stood out in this situation who kept quiet, and and that was um, Erin. Um, I think Erin Stevens, her name is, and she actually came up to me later in the convention and apologised for the whole situation. Um, so, you know, personally, that, that the- made her a big character for me. Like to 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 be strong enough to to come later and say. Oh, I'm sorry for what happened. Yeah, and she actually said that was completely out of order for the entire for all of the rest of the judges and uh, and Vova, and it really it really was, you know, because because it was like a really busy day for me, and after the British Young Juggler of the Year, I was almost in tears because that kind of abuse at the hands of the jugger, the judges, knowing that I was having to get up there the next day to actually you know compete against these guys, really really bad. Um, the next day, actually, before the the main event, we were warming up, and I and Vova again was taking the piss out of me for the six ball pirouettric and I said to him look I said stop taking the piss you take six balls do that trick if you think it's not if you think it's so easy do it and if you manage to do it within three attempts I said three attempts you can take the piss out of me as much as you want so of course he took three balls and he took four or five attempts wasn't even close I mean it's not like he was just missing it it's like he was so far off it was unbelievable so I said hey try these other balls you know you can try the bigger balls or the smaller balls whichever balls I'm going to use and so he tried it a few more times still nowhere close and uh, and then he says oh no I've got to get on and I've got to 
practice i've got to warm up for the main event which is true he had to do it and to be honest and uh, and to be fair as well from then on he didn't take the piss anymore but uh, i don't think we actually spoke again for the entire he didn't conf- take the piss anymore oh uh, yeah of course he did one more thing um so uh, yeah the main event itself not very interesting um i did take part on on stage um and uh yeah, actually, when I was on stage and doing that, it was okay. But again, the order. Why was I on last for rings when, of course, I was going to come last in the ring competition? I don't understand it. Why didn't I go on first and then it get progressively harder? They'd seen the prelim things. They'd already scored the routines by the tricks that we'd handed in. Why was I on last for that? Is it just to make me feel bad? Is it so they yeah, can edit me out afterwards? I know, but it's really bad. Yeah. And it's just the whole event, really, really tedious, not enjoyable. And in the end, why didn't Toby Walker win the club competition? And oh, look, I think he did. I think they no, he didn't. No, they, but they told. Yeah, they told it later, and that was a mistake. In the end, he still. Did, yeah, he still didn't. What? That's the thing. And it's like <gasps> I don't even still now. I don't know who won the club competition. I've tried looking it up online, and I can't find anything. So it's yeah, really yeah, strange. So Walker, he was so much better. I mean, so much more enjoyable. Yeah, and, and he could actually see him getting the tricks. Oh, it was a mistake. He was better. That is my last... I don't know. I still don't know who won the club competition. Or, and uh, But I guess um, Thomas Dietz won the overall competition. Um, so, yeah. Uh, finally, about the WJF, after that... Um, went on to the uh, the next day, public show. Vova Galchenko gets up and... Is one part of his stage routine. He does this club juggling. Uh, I think it was a five club routine, and my music that I had actually entered in with into the uh, the WJF was he used you have that. To say that you wrote it yourself. Yeah, it was it was the music I wrote it myself, recorded it myself. It's called Juggle How You Like. It's a bit of a you know a statement about the WJF and about WJF jugglers. Don't understand why um, Vova used it. Um, if it was a joke, it wasn't that funny. If it was trying to be antagonistic, it wasn't. It was all a bit weird, wasn't it? I don't even understand. So it would have been funny if it would have been another person, a funny person, or at a runagate. It was a runagate thing. Yeah. And I, then it would have been funny. It may have been but funny. not for a main stage in your country. But this isn't the point that I want to say. It doesn't matter about that. You know, if he wants yes. to use... No, the point is that later on, it's like... It, it, someone mentioned it online, and I actually went onto the WJF forum and saw Jason's response about this. He said... What Vova used in his own personal performance, he is not. He wasn't representing the WJF at the time, and so that's his personal choice. It doesn't reflect on the WJF at all, which, to put it shortly, is bollocks. Because at that co- at the whole of the BJC, there was one copy of that track that I recorded that I used there, and it was on a CD. And the CD I gave to Jason Garfield for him to use during the competition, the WJF competitions. Um, and so he had the CD. And of course, I didn't actually sign any release form. Um, but if I had signed the release form, it would have been up for the WJF to use that music in any way that they see fit in, in the production of their television programs and their DVD. So there's only one way, there's only one link in the chain between me giving the CD to Jason and Vova ending up with the CD to use in the show. And that is, of course, Jason Garfield himself. So the fact or the way that he says it that it doesn't reflect badly on the WJF or himself is that I gave that music to Jason in the understanding um, that it would be used for the WJF and no other purpose 
because I'm only licensing it, licensing it to, to, to Jason Garfield and the WJF, not to Vova Galchenko to use in the main stage in front of one and a half thousand people um, at the British Juggling Convention. So I'm actually thinking of putting it in writing that I'm not going to let the WJF use that track and it isn't going to be available for Jason Garfield to use on any of the DVDs or television programs or any promotion for the WJF. Actually, I just might as well put that in writing and actually say on this recording that I don't want the WJF to use my music at all from now on. If they're going to disregard and and just blatantly lie about the situation, that's it. It's not going to be it's they're not going to be able to use um my music um in their programs. Because uh, I didn't sign the release form before the competition, and now um, I'm certainly not going to sign the release form. I'll put it in writing that they can't. So that's pretty much the full thing about the WJF. Let alone that the you know Jason in the public show. Yeah, he's just you know funny guy, but having an off night, and and the message is not really going down so well with the British jugglers. But uh, overall, yeah, not a great experience. Uh, and this is the worst thing. I actually thought Jason, knowing that I'm quite an outspoken person and that I have strong views about the WJF and that I could change my mind if I had a good experience and if I had a you know an enjoyable time that I'd rave about it and say, yeah, it doesn't forget what I've said in the past, go in for the WJF. Jason knows that I'm this kind of person and he knows that more people listen to this podcast than, than pretty much has ever been to a WJF convention. Um, but But yeah, it didn't didn't happen it didn't happen i had a really bad time and a really bad experience not just watching the wjf but also taking part and the and the contribution of the wjf to the british juggling convention was a lot less even for people who didn't see the wjf the contribution that the the wjf brought to the convention was mm, lacking a bit so there you go but I'm going to move on because I've gone on way too long now about the WJF and about my bad experience. Let's flip this over into a positive light. Let's talk to, uh, oh, let's play in now an interview that I did with my brother earlier today about a new format of uh, of juggling, of sports juggling competition. Um, I'm not going to give a bit of introduction because uh, we pretty much talk all about that now. So now to the juggling podcast, I'd like to welcome a special guest um, to talk about juggling competitions and a new format of juggling competitions, my brother, Nathan. Uh, Hi, everyone. Now, this is really bad because me and Nathan have got exactly the same kind of voice. Uh, hopefully, we're, That's because we, t- we are identical twins. We are identical twins. So, um, uh, so how about you um, speak in, in a high-pitched voice, Nathan? You go, hello, about like this. I'll and, do the whole will, podcast like this. And I will speak like this from now on. How about that? I think this could be a bit distracting in itself. I think we should not do this. So hopefully people can just can just work it out. So um, from they... context, they should be able to work out who's speaking. Yes. Yeah. So have you got any questions for me, Luke? No, don't say that, Luke. That's just not funny at all. Uh, what? <laughs> okay. So yes, no, I'm Luke. I, I was just trying to confuse everybody. So Nathan, um, tell me a bit about this this competition idea that you have that I'd like to share with everyone in podcasting land. And uh, tell me a bit about why you came up with this idea for this this uh, juggling uh, com- sports juggling competition format and uh, and what it is. Go for it. Yeah, well, I really like the idea of like kind of sports juggling in there, seeing who, who's the best. But um, whenever you think about a, a juggling competition, there's kind of two problems. One is like you either have it completely subjective, like the by Jotty, sorry, the British Young Juggler of the Year, or the Brito Vision and stuff, which are great. They're really good for the audience and stuff. And but everybody's just 
just judging on their own criteria. So what um, you're saying is that you're not comparing uh, a juggler with a juggler. It can be a diabolist with a juggler and a devil stick with a cigar box kind of player. There's no way to see who is the best juggler. Yeah, and it, and it also just goes with like who like the the Brito vision was so exciting and stuff, and William uh, Wailing was just doing crazy stuff with Diablo, and the audience just absolutely loved it. But how how do you con- compare him and Aaron Gregg who came on? Next, Aaron Gregg didn't stand a chance because, um, oh, I don't know. I just, I, it just doesn't seem a very fair way. Even though, like the British Young Juggler of the Year, is a great competition and it, it achieves its aims and it's very entertaining. It's just not really uh, like a juggling competition in a, in a pure sense. So, what's the other end of the spectrum? Where's the other end of, uh, you know, what else could we do? Well, you could go down the WGF route um, and have like very. Well, they they try and make it very objective and uh, and and like rate the difficulty of each trick, but that like always causes problems. And uh, I I know that you had problems. You know, you put a trick in your routine, but because of a technicality, it wasn't counted. And I think the who, who's the guys in uh, the Netherlands who were who won a juggling competition? Oh, the the Dutch juggling championships. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's the guy that organised him? I talked to him. Oh, at the, uh, Marco. Anyway, I talked to someone at the BJC, and he was saying, you know, like, have a scale, and you, you were trying to put, like, the difficulty... Oh, Yoast, that was. Yeah, Yoast, sorry, uh, I forgot his name, but I was talking to him about having... He had trying to make a scale and trying to put each trick at a certain difficulty and stuff, but Yeah, it's, so it's one person doing back crosses with five balls is being compared to someone doing, like, um, a, a three-ball trick above the head or something like that. How do you compare a three-ball juggler with a, with a five-ball juggler, and which trick yeah. is more? Very, very difficult question. How do you do that? Well, I've just decided that you can't. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so, so, so what you is can't... your idea then? Let's get straight well, to it. Yeah, my idea is um, uh, you have a... Well, I'll just say what I want. I want the competition to be entertaining. I think the contestants should be trying similar tricks or moves to each other. And uh, I think the, uh, the competition winner should be obvious. Like Not like at the... WJF. Well, it I wasn't obvious. Yeah, they had to they had to replay the tape back again to to see who they thought should win, and yeah. it was someone different than when they originally thought, which is I very know, very strange. And I, I mean, I, I like I enjoyed watching the WJF, but I enjoyed watching the jugglers juggle. But the whole event, it was quite it was quite boring, really, and it was very subdued. And like I said before, it's a bit more like. Uh, it was a bit more like the Crucible than it was Wembley Stadium. Yeah, it's more like watching more, more like watching snooker where everyone's like quiet, quiet. Yes. And oh yes, very good. Yes, very good. Small yeah. round of applause. Small, yeah. <laughs> Not a football game where everyone's just going. Wah! Yeah, and that was the difference between like the Brito Vision and British Young Juggler of the Year, and uh, and the WJF. One was just some of them were just really really entertaining, and the WJF. Now I don't want this podcast awesome. to become across as a as a as just a rant against the WJF. Let's make it very clear. I'm a big fan of sports juggling and competitive juggling. I'm always up there uh, with five ball endurance and all that kind of stuff. I love leading game sessions, and games are great because everyone's doing the same trick at the same time. Yeah. Um, Except for the random, uh, prop uh, random endurance. prop endurance, but that's that was a like, great game. Like, that it was, went on uh, a bit long. It works really well. It's worked really well a few times, and I've done it here in Germany and different places. But uh, uh, yeah, well, look, well, this is my idea, Luke. I okay, think so the, go for it. It has, it has to, it has to be entertaining. If it's not entertaining, nobody wants to watch it. Nobody wants to get involved. There'll be no sponsors. It'll die a death, kind of thing. So what I'm thinking is about um, about eight months before the competition, or quite a few months before the competition. Um, a, a list of 100 tricks is published on the internet and um, there are a list of tricks they could include um, like some site swaps and pirouette kind of you know staged pirouette kind of uh, tricks um, 
some you know like lots of different kinds of tricks but like all all 100 and that's and that's the 100 tricks that so the, the, a very varied skill set yeah so yeah. it doesn't favor one specific juggler um to another that's the thing with the wjf everyone knows that back crosses get your points and pirouettes get your points so everyone just works on pirouettes and back crosses whereas this yeah. it would be a, a wide variety of 100 yeah, different so tricks yeah so you should have like some really high numbers juggling well like encourage people to you know like do the nine ball flash or it, it depends i'm not i don't i'm not going to be able to put a list together like that i'm just not a good enough juggler anyway so there's this list of 100 tricks then the competition day comes around and say you have like 10 or 12 competitors in the competition. They're at the side of the stage waiting. They've all warmed up and they're, and they're ready to go. They've all got their balls or their clubs or whatever competition it is. And um, and the number is pulled out a hat or a computer or a lottery machine or whatever it is between 1 and 100. And each number uh, corresponds to a trick. So a number is pulled out. It might be number 23. And that relates to... Name a trick, Luke, because I'm not very good at naming tricks. Uh, five balls... Um, above the head, five balls above the head. So, so it's five balls above the head. So the first person stands up. They have to juggle five, then go up into five balls above the head for so many catches, and then back down. And if they get it, they go through to the next round. Yeah. If they don't get it, they lose a life. Uh, on the, if they attempt the trick and don't get it, they lose a life. And each competitor can have ten lives. And so to begin try, with, to begin with, so at the start, every competitor has ten lives. So when they attempt a trick and fail to complete it or they drop or or they just go for it and then chicken out halfway through or whatever happens they they lose a life yeah are you with me so far though? i understand so do they get another go yeah i would say the first 10 rounds from rounds like one to ten the um, first you say 10 rounds the first 10 tricks that are put pulled out yeah the first the 10 hat. tricks that are pulled out the track but when one trick is pulled out the hat everybody attempts it and everybody can attempt it up to three times okay and so on round one, you might have some people getting it first time and they go on to round two with all ten lives. You might have some people who take two or three attempts to get it. So they go, and they go nine on, or eight lives, yeah. Nine or eight lives or, or even seven lives. And I would say in the first ten rounds, you kind of have a bit of a safety net. So everybody just tries each trick the maximum of three times. So everybody goes through to round two and everybody goes through into round three. And even if somebody has pulled off no tricks, they still have an attempt. They've still got one life left. So they're still in the competitions for at least four rounds. So nobody's just knocked out rounds. straight away. I understand yeah. that, yeah. Um, yeah. So what happens when you, you said this happens for ten rounds? What happens after ten rounds? Maybe you've got five jugglers left in by the end of ten rounds. So, yeah, so there'll be some people who will, will have dropped out that have lost all their ten lives. I would say after ten lives, after ten rounds, if you've got so if you've got those jugglers, obviously good jugglers, they can nail tricks quite quite um, quite consistently. You just take away that three you, that three attempt um, safety net, and you and you just say right, you just carry on attempting a trick now until until all your lives are uh, are used up. Okay, so if they get a trick, they go th they they move into the next round. If they don't get a trick, they just lose a life and then go into the next round. They don't get that extra two attempts afterwards. No, no, they they don't. They, they they carry on trying the trick up until all their lives are gone. Oh, so, so say they've got to round thirteen yeah. and it has a, and they've got like a nine ball flash or a, or an eight ball flash or whatever it is, whatever the yeah. trick is. If they don't get it within three attempts, they just carry on fourth, fifth, sixth, and they just carry on using up all their lives. Oh, and so they've just got no lives. It just you can get knocked out at round eleven if it just happens to be a trick that you can't do. 
And yeah. if another juggler just happens to specialise in that and they can do it, they just go through to the next round. But with the randomness of the tricks, say, like, you've got this hundred tricks and it's quite a broad... They, they, these tricks aren't just completely random. People have looked at them and, and have practised them in the months leading up. And, yeah, they've, and they've have, had, like, a year to get ready for it, or eight months is what you said, to get ready for it, yeah? Yeah, just, I mean, whatever logistically you can you can work out, you need to give the... But so so maybe, like, they, maybe there's quite a couple, there's a few hard tricks in there, and when it gets pulled out the hat, it's like, oh, no, it's the dread, dreaded trick number 52, you know, it's... Uh, it's the really difficult one, which I'm um, I'm not really a juggler, so I don't know. But like, it's the really difficult one, and 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 the five club back crosses for ten catches. That kind uh, yeah, of thing, yeah, and and it's like everybody groans and oh no, oh this is the one, and and people can get knocked out. Or they're but saying that because there is a difficult trick, you might have like three or four people who have really practiced that trick and can and can get it. In case that style of trick comes out of the hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because it's quite a broad range of skill skill sets and stuff. So let me ask you some questions about this. Let me ask you some questions about this. Who makes the list of 100 tricks? Just a panel of of judges? Or should it be, like, say, you know at least 10 jugglers are wanting to enter the competition. Should each of the 10 jugglers enter in 10 tricks or 20 tricks and then they select it that way? I mean, would that be an option? Uh, it, it could be. I mean, it, it would be up to the event organisers. The, the way I would see it is that it's quite a democratic process. You don't have like two or three people setting the list because you do get you do get their preferences coming through. So I would say you'd, you'd want to say right, we want quite a few side swaps, pirouettes. You you could have some like transition kind of moves in there. You could have some body moves or you know like Alberts, Treblers, back crosses, that kind of thing. Okay, so and just and, and just and just put it out there and, and just try and come up with quite a broad list but which can which will push up the level of juggling not not one that like you don't want a list that everybody can do everything you you want it so it actually people have to practice and, 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 and learn more to, new things and yeah. learn, learn more things yeah. okay so so that's quite a vi- wide variety how is it just uh is it going to be balls clubs and rings or is it going to be balls clubs rings and bouncing or is it just going to be one competition for rings and then another competition is just for clubs and then another competition is just for balls I would think, think the second option would be would be the way so to go. So separate have competitions with the different skills, yeah. For different props, yeah. Because you, I, I mean, I know, um, I know some people like Ben Beaver. He's, he's very, very good at sight swaps and doing his ball juggling. But I don't think I've ever seen him juggle rings. I don't know. Maybe I've not seen him. I've never seen him juggle rings, actually. No, exactly. So I think it would be. I, I would like to see. But you can also add. You could add like a bouncing competition. Um, or Diablo or Devil Sticks or I mean even cigar boxes or plate spinning if you wanted to it's, it, I think this kind of format would work across the different skill sets but I would say three three competitions for the three major props that, that would be that would be what I'd be looking okay, for. Okay, and then you could also from that like extrapolate um, who would be the overall winner as well if you want to have an overall winner like they do at the WJF, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it's a similar kind of thing. You can see how many lives, you know, how pe- quick people lost their lives or just what their placing was in the competition or, okay. or however it Okay, be. let's move on quickly because I don't want to spend the entire podcast just on this uh, on this uh, one one subject. So um, tell me more about, uh, like, so you say it would encourage people to, um, to you know, broaden their range of tricks. So, but what if somebody can only do 50 tricks consistently and 50 tricks they just don't can't do at all? Do they have to just hopefully the luck just comes their way that they uh, can get a pass you know can get past some of the harder tricks that they know that they can't do and still have enough lives to get through the tricks that they can do i mean is that the kind of situation you'd expect from this competition yeah i think there'd be i think there'd be quite a, f- a few jugglers who can who can consistently get a, m- a majority of the tricks you know within a couple of attempts but the the people who can't 
can't do it or, or are not quite up to that level, they, they still have a chance because they can... It, as it's quite a random process of selecting... Well, it is a random process of selecting tricks, they can say, right, I'm going to just practice these 50 core tricks and then just cross their fingers and on the day hope that their 50 tricks that they've been practicing are the ones that, are the ones that come up the most. And if that's the case, they, they seem to have as much chance of progressing up until, you know, up into the teens, the, you know, up into the, like, 19, 20, um, around 19 or 20. But then if if a hard trick that comes out and they can't do it, well, they're going to suffer for, for being quite selective or suffer just for not being such a good juggler as, as everybody else. Okay. Um, so moving on, how about, you know, if someone does a trick, but it's not the kind of thing they can do well and they move their feet um, or they... You know, they catch. A I'm, club all, by the I'm all up for people not doing tricks very neatly. I, I mean, some of the exciting juggling that I saw, the most exciting things I saw um, Jason Garfield doing was when he threw. I can't remember what trick he was attempting, but he he almost got it and he barely got it, and the crowd just won the edge. Oh of yeah, it's like he did a six ring pirouette or something, and his arms reached out miles and miles away. He sort of managed to snatch these rings out of the air and carry on going, and that got a bigger round of applause than a seven ring pirouette done really smoothly. Yeah. Yeah, because it's entertaining. And he also threw it. So it doesn't matter about form. It's just getting those catches and not dropping the trick and getting to the end of the trick, yeah? Yeah, I, I would rather see someone uh, flip a pancake up in the air and then dive across the room for it with on their frying pan and just manage to catch it in their frying pan than someone just standing there flipping it smugly. Funny but, you like, should I say like, that. <laughs> <laughs> I like the entertainment value. I like the entertainment value. <laughs> more than I do the cleanness of the trick. So I think, obviously, the trick has to count. They should finish it and stuff, but the way that they do it um, should be... It does. It shouldn't matter if they move their but feet. But the tricks or, would then have to be set up very specifically, like, say, the, the five balls over the head. It would have to say, juggle five balls in a cascade, transition into juggling five balls above the head for a minimum of five catches and throws above the head, um, transition back into juggling the cascade for at least... 10 catches or at least 5 catches whatever it's going to be back into the cascade solidly um, but after that you can drop but you've got to get those 10 catches afterwards yeah it would yeah, have to be set out that clearly the trick yeah and, and it's quite I think you'd have this trick list and there'd just be you know like the name of the trick for each on the list but there could always be like a, a very clearly defined almost throw by throw definition of it depending on how complicated like if it was 9 ball flash that's quite Quite a yeah, nine definition. balls, nine throws, nine catches, catches clean finish. Yeah, yeah no more clean finish. That's it. Yeah. Um, and uh, but like you say, with one that's a bit more complicated or transition trick, maybe each throw. Or you, but you could show a video of someone doing it, or or uh, um, you know a simulator, uh, one of the juggling simulators to show that exactly what people are looking for. And you just you just maybe have a small panel of judges just to make sure that the people complete the okay. trick. But it should be obvious if someone doesn't do the right amount of catches, there's like an audience there who can count, and they'll be probably mainly be jugglers i think just the jugglers need to be honest about it as well they'll know if they've done the trick jugglers do know if they've done a trick or not Um, yeah okay so another question the the tricks what if they're all really really hard and everyone just drops out straight away all the way through what happens then do you give people more lives to get through the first rounds a bit quicker i mean it, it could be that the trick list for the first competition might not be suited to the to the level of competitor you know so would yeah. you just give people more lives and if it's if it's really and if they're all a bit easy the competition will just go on longer would that be I the think, situation I think there's two things if if you get there to the uh, if you get to the competition and you've seen people warming up and people aren't doing very well and it's obviously you've obviously kind of um set the tricks too hard 
maybe you just increase the number of lives, or you say your first attempt doesn't lose lose any lives. Okay, so you people, know, people like so if they lose the first, if they drop once, it doesn't lose them alive. But if they drop the second time, they still lose two lives because it means that they can't do it. You know, it's not just catching them out. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So, okay. but the event organizers have to be flexible. But the thing is, they're flexible before the competition starts. If you know, what I mean. but once the competition starts, unlike the, the WGF, which sometimes seems to be flexible after the competition has been completed, and then they sort of change the rules or they they draw up a winner afterwards depending on what they think yeah i understand what you mean it has to be set out beforehand that even an idiot even someone who doesn't know anything about juggling could Mm. judge the competition yeah and different event organizers can it can do it in in different ways if you know what i mean it's 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 not it doesn't have to be the same every time it's done but as long as at the start of the competition everybody knows in the audience and everybody in the um Everybody in the who who are competing knows it exactly. That's exactly the thing with that I didn't like about the WGF so much is that we started the competition. We don't. It was never announced to the audience or anyone what people were being judged on. Is it about transitions? Is it about clean patterns and stuff? Because Polar said, "Oh, it doesn't matter about continuing juggling afterwards. It's just a trick." That's what she thought by seeing it. I said, "No, it's not. It's about continuing juggling afterwards." Not just about the trick with the WGF. So it can be confusing, but yeah, it has to be communicated um, with. Uh, with the audience and, and people watching. Yeah. You know, well, that's, I what first... I, that's what I did with the games, you know, at the game session there. Every single time I said, this is endurance. It's whoever juggles longest without disrupting other people's challenge. And then I said, this is gladiators. This is combat. You can do anything that you want. So that's uh, that's something you've got to um, uh, got to set up beforehand. I do agree. Uh, yeah, I think something that takes the enjoyment out of a competition is people not thinking it's fair or, or being confused about it. Yeah. And... Uh, if you ever see like a, a football competition where you know a ju- uh, one of the referees makes the decision, then goes back, and then it's all up in the air, you know, it just yeah. it just you'd rather make a have... decision be wrong, but everyone's clear about it than changing yeah. their mind and stuff. Okay. Exactly. So exactly just right. let me because we've been going on for a long time, almost twenty minutes now about this. And okay. So I wanted right, it to be about a ten minute section, but twenty minutes is fine because I think we've gone into a lot of depth about this, and I do like that. Um, f- final, just a few questions, just a few one word answers on this. Um, what about costumes, or does that m- not matter? Like doesn't really matter. Up to the event organisers. What about prizes? The bigger, the better. Anything else that you want to say about the competition? Any other ideas that you want to throw in there? Uh, just to just to go clear up any points again. No, I I just think one other thing to say is you know like this list of a hundred tricks. It's it's not going to be the same list forever, and it's and it will definitely need to be open for change. But I don't know when when you would do that. I mean, it would be up to the event organisers. You but know, you're like, thinking that you want to publish a list of tricks, but. Uh, but it could stay; it'll stay the same for a certain amount of time. So maybe there's three competitions run with the same set, and they could call yeah. it a uh, hundred trick list set number four or B or um, two thousand and seven or something like that. And yeah. that means the people entering one competition could then supposedly enter another competition and know the same tricks. They wouldn't have to practice a different set of tricks. Yeah, with the but same also, skill set. Yeah, with the same skill set. But also, if one person enters the competition, somebody else enters it elsewhere, they can see the different tricks that were tried and they can actually work out which is, you know, which is more difficult so they can actually look so at statistics. So if at the end of a few competitions there's, like, one trick which nobody can get, you know, yeah. you have to make up mind, you know, do we actually keep that in because it's just knocking everybody Leave out. it in for but next if, year or do we replace it, it for year. easier or do we just... Hopefully, hopefully by the next year, people will have a bit more and another year's practice at that trick. Yeah. And, maybe and if evolve. there's four or five tricks that everybody's just nailing, you know, like like 
two you know two or three diabolos a couple of years ago that kind of everybody was struggling with but now there's a fair few people can do it you know you just i think you it's just four say, diabolos okay. people can do now you know or yeah they're, they're exactly so, so you just if something's really easy and it's obviously everyone can do it you just drop it off and, and put it you know progress that trick or put yeah a different okay trick. i understand it so um anything else or should we just call it a day there no, I'm I'm open for feedback. I'm going to be posting this up on Rec Juggling once I've typed it up in a few days, and people can uh, people can feedback there. Yeah, I'd or be I'd be interested to see that. Whatever. Yeah, so um, let's do it. I mean, I would be really happy to con- to compete in a competition like that because it's fair for everyone. Everyone's coming in, and it's it. I mean, the thing is, the WJF. I was entering the ring competition, and I've got various ring tricks, but they're not nothing that'll get me any points in the WJF. Um, whereas some of the tricks that these guys were doing, they were just doing ball tricks or club tricks, but with rings. That doesn't interest me in the slightest. Um, so it was a strange situation there, but with this, everyone's tricks will be equal because if you get it, you get one point. No, you don't get one point. You don't lose a life. If you yeah. don't get it, you lose a life. And it's that simple. It doesn't matter how hard it is, how easy it is. Everyone is equal coming into the event. Everyone, well, not everyone's equal. Everyone will be different skill levels, but everyone coming in will be uh, starting from exactly the same point. Um, and I think that's I think that's key because it makes it fair, it makes it entertaining, and it, it and makes there's a clear winner. There is, there a, clear is winner. a clear winner. The person the, the, who's left with lives at the end wins. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it's literally it is kind of like the last man last man standing kind of thing. You know, the person who is left uh, wins the prize. And also, matter. if someone's got gets through, like Anthony Gatto going up against me, I'd be out, and he'd still have ten lives left. It so, just shows how much better. Yeah, it, is, it shows maybe. how much better. So, Nathan, thank you very much for this. Uh, I'd just okay, like to finish with, with just explaining the thing that I giggled at before. You said about a pancake being thrown and catching in a frying pan. That's actually what happened to me. Of course, Nathan knows this, but just sharing it with people listening is that I think it must have been about what twelve or thirteen. I can't remember. It was years and years yeah, ago. It was like a pancake tossing competition at a local uh, was it a local church or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, um, some pancake. So day. anyway, I saw lots of people doing this, and I thought, I know what I'll do. Instead of just throwing the pancake and catching it, and people going, "Oh, well done." He through the pancake what i'll do i'll throw it really far forwards and then i'll have to dive forward and make the catch like with my arm out extended and like halfway across the kitchen or wherever it was and so i did that and everyone guess who won the competition i won the competition it was fantastic and that really i think that's informed me more about performing than most other things is like that that catch that goes way across and you reach out and grab it and you can dive forward and grab it so much more impressive than like really really clean juggling even though really clean juggling is more impressive to jugglers for non-jugglers they want to see a pancake being thrown and you diving after the pancake um very very important for throwing diabolos high and doing street shows you they want to see you dive um for it and and miss a few times and then get it so um I think that's what this competition will will bring out. I think it'll bring out those near catches. It will be like X Games of people pulling off the biggest tricks and like, wow, how did he do that? He pulled it out of nowhere, that kind of thing. So, Nathan, thank you very much. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So, I hope you enjoyed listening to me and Nathan talking about um, a new juggling convention idea. If you got any feedback for this, like Nathan said, he's going to be posting it to rec.juggling and maybe some other forums as well. I don't know if he signed up to them, but uh, to get some good feedback from it. I've got some other ideas of different ways it could be, you know, sort of slightly different formats as well. Um, but I'll re- be replying to them online on some discussion forums online. Otherwise, send me an email, luke at juggler.net, if you've got anything to say about what we've discussed so far in the podcast. Um, and uh, and also, I'm going to be putting up a new website, which will be at um, the, the link lukeburridge.com forward slash jugglingpodcasts.html. So uh, I haven't actually 
finished that page yet, but it's uh, it'll have a list of all the episodes and upcoming interviews and features as well and contact information. So uh, and there'll be a link on the on the on my main website as well to get through to the juggling podcast website. Um, so let's move straight on to another sort of juggling competition kind of themed interview. Uh, this time, not so much about the WJF or anything else, but just a big star of the sports juggling scene and the technical juggling scene, which is of course Thomas Deat. So. Um, Actually, a really interesting interview. I wasn't quite sure about interviewing. And now you will hear stories that you never thought of. I know. Very, very funny. The reason why Thomas Dietz became such a, a great juggler and such a, a proficient numbers juggler as well. So um, here it is. Enjoy. Hey, we're sitting down in a, in a cafe here and uh, with me is Paula. Hi. And also a special guest now is uh, Thomas Dietz. Hi. Uh, so Thomas, uh, we, lots of people know you from your videos, lots of people know you from the WJF, lots of people know you from performing at EJCs and practicing in the gym, but not many people know your story about how you became a juggler and how you started juggling. So uh, uh, just first of all, how old are you, Thomas? I'm 24. And when did you start juggling? Okay, I can't remember that, that's the problem. But my dad, uh, they learned me juggling and they say, I learned it with three years and nine months. So uh, could you tell... I can't remember exactly, but three years and nine months. No, that's his father, totally. Yeah. So tell you what, tell me a little bit about your family background. Does your father juggle? Who taught you how to juggle and why did you start juggling so early? Okay, um, when we had a birthday party or other parties, uh, festivals, then my dad um, showed a, a free ball cascade. <laughs> and then uh, I've... yeah. Um, ja, ich war, wie kann ich das am besten sagen? Ich war halt voll beeindruckt davon. You were impressed. He was quite impressed by his dad showing off his tricks. Yeah, and then um, I want to learn the, the free ball cascade and he teached me that and then after a few months I, I can juggle free balls. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. So uh, that was at three, four years old. Uh, you're best known for numbers juggling now. So when did you start juggling not just three balls, but then four balls and five balls? Do you have any sort of... Can you remember that? Yeah, I believe, yes. Uh, I was five or six years old. That time I learned uh, four balls from uh, a good friend of me, uh, Tony Chamel. His um, performer name is uh, Tony Toss. Yeah. That's cool. And five, six balls? Um, maybe one year later. I was wondering if you sort of started off slowly and started improving more and more and more. I mean, did you suddenly get into it more? Like it became not just something you could do, but like a real hobby for you? Uh, we, uh, a hobby? Yeah, hobby is Oh, sorry. Uh, were you not even listening to me, Polly? No, you have a wish for it. I have an eyelash stuck to my face. So let me just wish for that, and I'll wish for Polar to listen to me from now on. Um, so let me just ask that question again. You know, like you started juggling at this time, you could juggle, but was it a big hobby? I mean, did you do other things, or was it just juggling? You were no. into juggling. No, that was uh, my my uh, only hobby. Yeah, <laughs> it was a big hobby for me. Okay, so okay, I've got a question. Like, how comes like when you started juggling that early? How comes you went to not to juggling conventions? How comes no one knew that you are a big juggler and that you are out there in the world? Yeah, at that time I I was too young to go to conventions. I was five, six years, seven years old. Okay, but we we just know you like in a at the age of how old were you when you went to your first convention? Oh. Uh, maybe 11 or 12 years old. Yeah, it was a, it was a small convention in uh, Regensburg, 
Yeah. <laughs> and when was your first EJC? My first EJC was uh, 2002 in Bremen. Well, that's actually when I first saw you, because uh, I was sitting there with me and Ben Beaver sitting at the edge of the gym, and you were there, and you were doing eight balls for sort of like, uh, like 20, 30 catches, like long runs of eight balls, and we thought, wait a second, we've never seen this guy before. Where has he been all this time, and how come he's so fantastic? We thought, because we'd not seen you at any EJCs or any big conventions, that you'd just sort of learned juggling a few months ago or like years ago, and you were one of these wonder kids who comes along and learns nine balls in a year or something, and we thought we'd go over and break his arms. Um, but then I went and asked you how long you've been juggling and you were sort of like, uh, I don't know, you were like 18 at the time and you said, I've been juggling 15 years. Um, so we went, oh, okay, you can be that good. So how did you get so good? I mean, we you know, we know you can juggle three balls young, four balls, five balls. Why did you start really pushing numbers juggling? Yeah, yeah Tony, my, my, my juggling teacher, uh, juggles a six ball half shower and seven ball cascade in the gym. Not for a long time, maybe 20 catches with, with seven balls was his record. And uh, I was so Im impressed of, of that. And then um, I asked him yeah, how I can do that. And then he teached me the six and seven balls. And then um, maybe I was 10 or 11 years old at that time. And then I worked on, on seven balls and can do seven balls for 20 seconds. And then I asked him, hey, um, what, what's the world record with balls? how many balls can juggle the best juggle in the world? And he say, yeah, uh, 17 balls. And then I... 17? Yeah, 17. And then I say, aha, 17. Uh, do you have a, a video of that? And he say, yeah, I have a video at home. And I say, okay, bring it next week to the uh, juggling um, meeting. And then I, I watch it. And then he say, yeah, okay, I, I bring it next week. And then, and then at the next week, I ask him, eh, do you have the video here? And he say, oh, oh, sorry, I forgot it. I, I bring it next week. <laughs> and uh, he said it every week. <laughs> so you still, you, did you actually believe that the record was 17 balls? Yeah, I believed the record was 17. And he was just very forgetful. Yeah. I, How long did you believe that? Um, <laughs> I believed that uh, maybe I was uh, 16, 16 years old. You believed it from when you were 10 or 11 years old until you were 16 years old? Yeah. That the record was 17 balls. Yeah, and I, I feel me so, so bad. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I, I worked on nine balls. And, um, and you thought you were just sort of like really like below average juggler. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, many juggers say, hey, uh, come, come with me to the European convention. That's the biggest convention in the world. And many good juggers uh, there and you, you can learn uh, new tricks. And then I say, oh, no. I, I'm scared about that to see uh, 17 balls. <laughs> see. And, and they thought you were joking, or what do they think? Yeah, they say, hey, you, you are stupid. The, the, the best juggler in the world can, can juggle maybe maybe 10, not more. I say, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Tony say 17 balls. <laughs> but you'd never seen a video? I've never seen a video. <laughs> but I, I, believed, I believed it. Yeah. Tony is either a genius or a complete and utter bastard. That's the thing. I mean, to tell someone who's already a good juggler that the record is so high, so they push themselves so hard and just think it's normal to be able to juggle nine balls or average to be able to juggle nine balls is, uh, is fantastic. So what kind of things were you juggling? Were you just doing numbers or were you doing tricks and side swaps? Or what, what kind of things were you getting into over these years? Uh, in, the, in the last uh, years? No, I mean, up until when you were about 16, 17. Oh, yeah, I, I worked... Uh just on, on the seven balls. <laughs> just on pure endurance, pure numbers? Yeah, yeah. Seven balls, eight balls, nine balls. Yeah, I... 
Yeah, I, I want to learn uh, 11 or 13 or 15 balls. Yeah, the, the record was 17 for me. <laughs> but that wasn't the only thing uh, when, when a juggler tricked you into learning something. Tell us about the other things. Uh, you said something about back crosses and there are eight balls with oh, Ben yeah, B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2001 uh, at, at uh, um, the Landshut Convention in Germany, um, I, I meet a juggler and they say, uh, oh yeah, your your six ball pattern looks nice. But uh, I saw Ben Bieber at a European convention, and Ben juggled eight balls, a half shower, and then he throws one up, juggled seven under there, and then when the balls come uh, comes down, he throws the other one up and juggled seven. But that's actually true. Yeah. The <laughs> okay. The the funny thing was uh, one uh, I learned the trick, yeah. and one year later, I I meet Ben at the uh, Bremen convention. Then I ask him, hey, Ben, uh, can you show me that trick? Men say, ah, oh, that, that's too difficult for me. I, I can't do it. I can do maybe maybe one up and then short and then, yeah, one run, not more. And, um, yeah, I say, I, I can do it. <laughs> what, for how long? Yeah, my, my record was uh, 15, 15 high throws. <laughs> and Ben could do it once. Yeah. <laughs> so he just learned it because someone told him that someone else can do it. I think that's just great. Well, that actually happens so much now online. I mean, I've released videos of me doing a trick and it's not solid for me. And it's taking me maybe 10 minutes to do it on camera. And then people think, oh, Luke can do that trick every time. It's happened with some squeeze catches, with sort of like the stacked nine where you juggle nine balls, but in the three ball cascade. And I've shown some people that and I can do it a little bit, but not for a long run. But I put a long run on the Internet and then someone comes up to me and says, oh, I, I can do it now. And they just just do it so easily, like a thousand times better than I could ever do. So solid. Um, so that kind of thing happened to you uh, with, with Ben Beaver meeting him for the first time. Yeah, yeah, that was the same thing. And the same with the back crosses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Who tricked you that time? <laughs> yeah, you, you, know ben, uh, you know Peter Gerber? From yeah, I know Peter Gerber. I've met him. I've, I've, we, I've, when I visited you down in Regensburg, we, we juggled with yeah. Peter there. Yeah, Peter, Peter wants the, the IJA competition, uh, the juniors in 99. And um, yeah, I yeah Peter was a friend of me uh, when I was 12 years old, and I saw him juggling every time. And uh, when he was uh, 17 or 18 years old, he juggled five club back crosses for for more than one minute. And then I asked him, "Hey, how difficult is that?" And he said, "Yeah, it's it's not so difficult. Uh, if you practice every day, three hours, then you can do it in a." Maybe two months. You can do you can do one minute uh, five cut back crosses, and then I say, okay, give me a few a few uh, uh, tips to to learn it very fast. And then, okay, he give me the tips, and then um, I start practice. It was in 2003, uh, maybe on September after the convention. I know. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and then I start practice, and my my record was maybe. 18 catches at, at that time with five club back crosses and six weeks after that every day three hours my record was more than 100 I know because I met you at the EJC 2003 and I said what's your record for back crosses with, uh, with uh, five clubs mine was about 15 at the time yours was 18 and about it was it was like n the next year I said what's your record mine had gone up by two catches yours has gone up by 200 catches <laughs> with yeah. five club back crosses and I was just like that is that's impossible yeah, for me it was not impossible. I saw Peter and Peter... Uh, Peter's got a solid back cross pattern, yeah. Yeah, and then I think, okay, he, he's, a, he's a good chugger, but he's not a, not a machine yeah. like Vova. Or <laughs>
But the thing is, the three hours was just a joke of him. He he himself learned it like by Peter doing this it, one. yeah, by doing it 20 minutes every day for years. <laughs> but he just said like, do it for three hours a day and it will be fine. And he just did because he thought that's the do- thing to do. I think it's just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, my next questions would be about your uh, plan to to take the world record. Like, how many years did it take you, and how many tries? Oh yeah, yeah. When I was 15 years old, I believe the world record is uh, 17 balls. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I meet uh, Chaga in uh, Regensburg in a park, mm-hmm. and I, I worked on eight balls and nine balls. And then the, the Chaga saw me and say, "Hey, you are so good. You can break a, a world record." And then I say, "Huh?" The world record is 17 balls. He said, no, no, the, the world record with seven balls is two minutes and 31 seconds from Anthony Ghetto. And then uh, he gave me a telephone number from a good chugger. And um, yeah, I phoned with him and say, hey, well, what's the world record? And he said, oh, yeah, look in the internet, it's that page and uh, yeah, three and a half minutes, and one second. And then I work on it and a half year later, I have done exactly two minutes and 30 seconds Uh, on videotape <laughs> and I missed one second I stopped it hundred times in a row but I missed the one second and then I think okay it's too difficult to do the seven ball record now I work on the eight maybe it's better the eight uh, ball record was hundred and eight catches from Anthony and then I have done hundred and seven <laughs> you just couldn't get it yeah <laughs> I was so nervous on the end Uh, many times I have done uh, 100 catches, but 108, that was so so difficult for me on the end. I uh, I counted in my head and then I dropped on the last catches. <laughs> so have you got one of these world records now? Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, 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 long, a long story. <laughs> um, a few years later, I, I start practice on world records again and the world record with seven balls was uh, very high, maybe four, four minutes or three minutes and 49 seconds and I worked on it and then yeah, it was so close, a few seconds and I say, okay, I stop uh, to work on world records and then a few weeks later I tackle five clubs in my room uh, and I, I test the, the uh, Henry's uh, Delphine clubs and it feels so good, the five club cascade and then yeah, I um, yeah, ich habe halt meine meine Kamera halt hingestellt. Yeah, he put up his camera and filmed it. And yeah, and then I I tracked it in my room uh, 53 minutes. And that's a new five club record. Yeah, and that was a new five club record. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, tell us a little bit about 2003. You did juggle for one hour on stage at the Renegade. Uh, you did know? Did you know at the time that the record was like one hour and two or three minutes, and that you could have actually <laughs> got the world record live on stage? Did you not know that? No, no, no. Um, one, I, I ask a few travelers, and they say the world record is 59 minutes. Yeah, it had been broken about three months beforehand. Up with that, those <laughs> few extra. I think it was something like that, but not long beforehand, the five ball record been set uh, a little bit uh, uh, just a little bit past one minute okay yeah that's um, yeah, I don't know that that's the problem yeah, yeah. and then yeah my god <laughs> that's bad for me yeah like one one hour and 30 seconds or whatever you did on the stage there yeah and then uh, a few weeks uh, later I, I heard the world record is uh, one hour and a few minutes and then um, yeah I go in my room and uh, try uh, two hours <laughs> What, five balls, two hours? Yeah, two hours. How would you do it? I mean, you, of course you've been training since you were very young and you were tricked into numbers and you were doing all this different kind of stuff, but when you're actually juggling, how do you think, 
how do you concentrate for two hours? I mean, do you listen to music? Do you put some earphones in? Do you watch television? Well, I don't know how you watch television and <laughs> juggle five balls, but how do you keep your concentration all through the, uh, the five-ball run like that? No, that, that's very easy. I have a CD with my, my favorite music, and the CD is exactly one hour. One hour. And I put it in my CD player, and then um, yeah, I do a, a repeat, and then the music runs, and I listen to the music and juggle and dancing a little bit in my room, yeah, and juggle. And then sometimes I, I, I sit on, on my on my couch and juggle, and then I stand up and juggle, yeah. And then after uh, two times in a row, I, I stopped. <laughs> wow. Okay. So your record with five balls is now what? Two hours? No, it's a little bit longer. Uh, a few, <laughs> yeah, a, a few chargers say, "Hey, you, you stopped after the two hours. You, you are stupid. Why? You why did? It, why didn't you go until you dropped? Is that the question?" Yeah, and then I say, "Yeah, it, it was boring uh, after two hours, and my neck uh, was so bad." And then um, uh, a few weeks later, I um, I put a, a neck, um, a brace, we'd call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And um, I open my window, it's a little bit colder, and I drink uh, a lot of water before, and then I do three hours. You should use a camelback, have sort of like some water on, a, on those packs on your back with a tube coming around into your mouth so you can... No, uh, no I, I drink it before, maybe a half liter, and then I, I start chugging with the, yeah, the neck uh, thing. <laughs> so, uh, don't you need the toilet then? That's a serious question. Yeah, that was a big problem. <laughs> After two and a half hours, yeah... It was, yeah, wie, wie kann man sagen am besten? Was denn? Es war schon ein bisschen drang. Uh, quite urgent. <laughs> okay, so lots of people wonder, you know, you, you, you break records, but you don't, I guess you don't update records with video, video evidence that of often. So I'm just going to say some numbers, okay, and I want you to give your records, because just to get these down from you, from, in English, the expression, from the horse's mouth. What, so your record with five balls is how long? Uh, now my record with five balls is uh, three hours and I believe 47 minutes. Six balls. S uh, six balls. Um, maybe 20, 24, 25 minutes. Seven, uh, seven balls. Oh, seven balls. Uh, the six balls is a half shower. The is that the easiest pattern for you with six balls? That's the easiest pattern for me. Uh, with seven balls is... Nine minutes and uh, 40 in a few seconds. You know Anthony's official record, 10 minutes with that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Eight balls? Eight balls, I don't know, 169, I believe. Nine balls? 192. <laughs> so your nine-ball record is higher than your eight-ball record then? Yeah, I worked a long time on uh, nine balls, yeah. Ten balls or do you not work on ten balls so much? I believe uh, my ten ball is... 28 with the, the um, Synchron uh, Fountain. 11 or do you not work on 11? I worked on 11 but my, my balls are too big <laughs> and I hate, I hate small balls. <laughs> okay so uh, that's great to clear them up. Do you want to go through some club records because you, you know your, your five club record. What's about six and seven then? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah my, my, my real five club record is one hour and 25 minutes. Um, um, without the camera, that the problem is <laughs> my tape. Yeah, one hour tape. You can't change it by yourself. Yeah, one hour and two minutes is <laughs> the tape long. Um, yeah, and the, the six clubs, uh, three minutes and 20 seconds, half shower. Wow. Uh, triple double. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> and seven? Seven, uh, one minute and 15 seconds. With seven clubs? Yeah. 
wow that's that's amazing that would have easily beaten world records uh, just uh, just a few years ago as well it's uh, seems like every time you're sort of pushing it anthony gatto just goes he just presses play and see what happens yeah but i i think anthony is much better than me oh yeah uh, no offense but yeah of course um uh, and with rings what's the, what's the top number you work on with rings because i know your six ring record is just stupidly long again oh that the problem is uh, my my hands i'm too lazy to chug uh, six rings for a long time because it hurts yeah, I, I, I chuckled five rings for maybe one hour and six rings for six or seven minutes and seven rings, I believe, not more than one minute. Yeah. Have you ever worked on more rings? Because I don't see you working on rings very much. No, a, a few years ago I worked on uh, eight, nine and maybe ten rings. I think it's so so boring if I drop so much. In my practice session uh, I do... Uh, at that time now, I do a one-hour practice session every day, and I do so easy stuff for me. Sometimes I have 10 drops uh, or 15 drops in one-hour practice session. Because you're just going over the same routines just to get it really solid for stage work, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, so we've talked a lot about you as a, sort of like as an amateur, well, I say as an amateur juggler, because you've just done so much, uh, so much records and uh, endurance and numbers. Just tell me a bit about your recent uh, performing, because uh, when I first saw you, on st saw you on stage, you just get up there and it seems like you're just jamming. You know, you're just going through some uh, some routines, but not a lot there. Tell me a bit how you developed your your routine that you're now working professionally with your, I think, the Juggler Race Game 3000. Uh -huh. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was a nice idea. Um, <clears throat> uh, many juggers say, "Hey, uh, your act is boring, and uh, do do an act with a, with a big story." And then um, yeah, I saw the, the get the shoe uh, act from Jochen Florian, and I think, okay, I I do I do an act with a story, and then I have the idea with with a race game, and then I have done uh, the act. I worked on it for one and one day, one and a half day. Um, a few days before the uh, EJC in Pitui uh, start, so you made up the soundtrack with the with the with the bleeping. Who was who was recording the voiceover for that? Uh, Shani from Austria. Oh, okay. Um, and then you performed it. How how well did it go down with the audience? I mean, what did it feel like to actually perform a, like a full routine with a theme all the way through? I mean, was it a challenge for you to do that? Yeah, it was not a challenge. It it was an idea, and then yeah. I cut the music and then I do it my first time uh, in Pituri at the uh, open stage. It was easy. The, the juggling was easy for me and the show, yeah, a little bit smiling, <laughs> posing. And how has it developed since then? Has it changed a lot since then now that you perform? Do you perform this a lot more now? Yeah, I perform a lot more. Yeah, I worked with a choreograph on that act and now uh, I uh, played it in a variety and on gala shows and festivals. Yeah, now I have a new act, um, more um, a variety act, old school style like uh, circus performances or Las Vegas style. Yeah, it's for for older public. It's uh, with uh, classic music and yeah, very smooth. But still a lot of uh, technical juggling involved. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of technical juggling, but uh, it's a easy routine for me. I do it uh, four times without drop and one time with one drop. It's uh, for a rarity, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Any other plans for the future? Of course, you seem to get more and more into circus and variety and gala shows. Uh, anything else that you're aiming for? Of course, you've done the WJF. You seem to win that like three years in a row now, the overall competitions. What else are you looking forward to do in the future? Yeah, in the future, okay. Uh, my goal for the future is um, to perform on uh, 
big circus festivals like um, yeah, Monte Carlo or something like that. <laughs> Well, that's, a, that's a goal to go. You think you could go there and uh, win a golden clown? Oh, not the golden clown, but um, to perform, that's enough, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in five years. Oh, John Nations over here. John Nations, come here. Come over here, come over here. John, what, what's the question that you would like to ask uh, Thomas? I would like to ask Thomas Dietz what the hardest trick he ever learned is that he can now do perfectly. Um, perfectly? What's perfectly on stage? No, like in your practice, that you always know in in practice that you know you're going to get it okay oh that's a, that's a good question mm, okay i have a few tricks they are really hard maybe the the nine ball uh, seven up pirouette was one of my hardest tricks or the the seven ball seven up uh, 720 yeah i have done it for a few times yeah uh, uh, one one of my one of my best tricks was uh, a seven ball cascade throws w four balls back one very high like a, a x <laughs> or maybe a very high throw and then i turn a 180 throw four balls back um catch two do another half turn and then i the yeah, it's like a classic five ball pattern where you, you throw one up, two back, two over again and, uh, and back into it. We do the seven ball version. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, have you got any uh, message for other jugglers? Because lots of jugglers would never have even heard you speaking, let alone uh, get a chance to talk to you one on one. So uh, what would be uh, your final message to other jugglers? Oh, the final message is um, if, if uh, a juggler say to you, hey, the world record is 19 balls or 25 balls. Believe it, that's good for your, for your chugging. <laughs> that's fantastic. Thomas, thank you very much for this fantastic interview. I've really learned a lot about you. Great stories as well. Thanks a lot. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs>
and the quality gets better as it goes through. And this year, there's even a documentary. Yeah, and even this year, a documentary about it. So we've gone off from nothing on on television to maybe something on television. So it's actually building and getting better for the future. So that's what I'm saying. The WGF, I think it's just becoming less and less relevant in the juggling world and smaller and smaller. And to be honest, after my experience at the BJC, I really hope it fails now. I hope somebody else comes along with a different format and starts again fresh so I can actually be enthusiastic about a juggling competition again. It's not nice to say. It's not nice to say, but I had a you really... world peace. I know, but I had a really bad experience. So, yes, world peace. Happy thoughts at the end of the podcast. Uh, this is Luke and Pola from Berlin. Catch you next week. I do want to see a rest. <laughs> <laughs>